0: baby, we hear the blues are calling. It's the DC3 cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. Uh, We're going to talk about the DC Comics released on the 23rd of January, 2019. But first, got some news to talk about. And um, we're going to start in kind of an odd place. So uh, earlier this week, it was announced that DC was going to have um, an, an exclusive Target comic. Now, this doesn't sound all that odd until you realize that DC is currently putting out exclusive uh, Walmart comics, and Walmart and Target are essentially the two biggest big box retailers in the country and compete with lots of stuff, so it's odd that this is happening. DC's book is called The Primal Age, and the first 100-page giant was released this week, and it, it will tie into a, a toy line that I believe is still forthcoming. It might have already had the first couple of toys released, but it's it's a... Relatively new thing, and it's sort of like a sword and sorcery version of the DC universe. Um, spoiler alert: The hundred-page giant is garbage. But <laughs> what do you guys think about DC further expanding into this world?
1: Well, I think it. I think it's an indicator that the the Walmart comics must be doing pretty well. I would think for them to want to venture into another retailer space with that stuff.
0: Well, this is just a one-shot, I believe. Oh, it is? Okay. I'm not positive on that, but I think so. That's here, interesting here, because... You it, keep it, talking, it I'll ends... do a research.
1: Okay, I was going to say that's interesting if that's true because the like main story in the 100-page comic kind of ends with like a to-be-continued thing. But, it, of course, it wouldn't be the first time in, in big two comics where somebody said to be continued and you never heard from it again.
2: <laughs> it, it's funny because this definitely a year ago would have been the kind of thing that they would have done one of those digital first miniseries for.
1: Mm, good call. Yep.
2: Um, I think that this is I mean, I disclosure have not read this don't know if i will read this i'm flipping don't. through it and it actually looks kind of fun no <laughs> um I, I actually really kind of like the aesthetic more than i thought i would it's really sh- it's it's real it it just it, it has a vibe that i kind of it it feels like a vehicle for action figures like it really does
0: i mean yeah um Zach, do you and like movies
1: I... about gladiators?
0: Yeah.
2: No, not really. You ever been in a Turkish prison? No.
0: We're making airplane jokes here.
2: Um what was I gonna say? Oh, the thing that I think is weird about this and maybe bad. It is a one shot, by the
0: way, just confirming, just a one shot.
2: The the exclusivity thing is really weird to me and I don't like it. In what sense? Just like, I think it's dumb that you can only get this thing at Target.
0: I mean, you can only get those toys at Target. Oh, you can? I believe the toys are Target exclusive as
2: well. Oh, well, okay, then that makes sense. That's fine. I don't care then.
0: We saw them at Comic-Con.
1: We did. We
2: did. (laughs) Vince wanted to buy two. (laughs)
1: Uh, what's What's one for?
2: It's a secret.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. Fair, fair play. Uh, I jokingly uh, told my uh, wife, "Oh, my great! Wife. Now I'm gonna have, now I'm gonna have to drive to Walmart and Target once <laughs> yeah. a month to,
2: just to get." Um, she was, was gonna say? Um, she, she didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you send her out to the other WalMarts just in like in case the Walmart you're going to doesn't have it? It's like okay, no, well, I... you.
1: I do disappear for hours at a time until I <laughs> until I come home with it. So, oh,
2: don't do it. It's
0: bad.
1: <laughs> I know
0: it is, it is bad. I know. Um, so, first of all, let me just say that I'm going to talk about the hundred page giant in a minute. But in terms of like having Target exclusive toys, I think that's a way bigger deal than having comics in Walmart. What do you guys think? Like to Um, to get younger kids. If the goal of this is to get younger kids into comics, which we're going to talk about in a minute with something else. But to me, the only reason you go to a big box retailer like that with with exclusive properties is because you're trying to attract new readers or new fans rather.
1: They've been doing the exclusive action figure thing for years now, though.
0: At Target or at different retailers?
1: At Target. At Target.
0: Like, oh, really?
1: Target had Yes. Yes. There was a line of toys. I can't remember the name of them, but they were like Justice League based. They weren't like um, they weren't like special versions, like primal versions. They were just like, um, you know, vinyl action figures of just the basic Justice League characters. And they were Target exclusive. They've also done Target exclusive uh, Funko Pops.
0: Man, as well, Vince Big Box Strowski here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you you had your finger on the pulse of all things Mark uh, Walmart and Target.
1: I have a Target like in my backyard, and I'm there basically every other day, so I just noticed this stuff. Uh-huh. Um,
2: How many Amiibo did you buy there?
1: We're, we're not going to talk about that, okay? That's another thing, <laughs> my wife doesn't like. So, <laughs>
2: um, I feel like this. Should have maybe not this exact thing, but a version of this should have just been bundled with the toys
0: mm. yeah like remember back in the day you'd buy a toy get a mini comic in it yeah
2: yeah like I haven't read this, but I'm flipping through <laughs> it and it seems like there's like a Wonder Woman story and a Batman story and it seems like those could have just been broken up and put in with their respective action figure yes
0: all the all those jerry ordway louise simonson stories could have easily been mini comics they
1: just put all the geriatric creators on this book did you notice that i didn't notice that yeah
0: it's a shame too because i like louise simonson a lot and it's a shame that she's uh, relegated to this
2: yeah but i mean like you talk about wanting to try to get kids into comics like if they're What are the odds that they're going to go to a store to get this exclusive toy and then also see that there is a comic book related to it? I mean, I guess maybe, but like that's a pretty big up purchase for $10 there, I feel like.
0: See, my whole thing with this is like I know when we're invited to, you know, insert Child of Friend's birthday party here or insert my daughter's classmate party here, you ask the parent, like, well, what is little Jimmy into? And if they say superheroes, then you go there with like a $20 budget to get them superhero stuff, right? So if I'm walking down the aisle and I see a comic and these figures, I could see myself buying those two things for little Jimmy or whatever. I, okay. I, think, I think that's actually like a pretty solid, a pretty solid, uh, a pretty solid uh, strategy, as long as they're in the same aisle. You know, as long as you don't have to mm-hmm. jackass around to find the comics.
2: Vince, you'll have to let us know if you have to if you have to jackass around.
1: <laughs> I'll I'll let I'll let you know exactly where they are.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about this hundred page giant just for a second. I know I'm the only one who read the whole thing. Um it is bonkers. So essentially, this takes place in this mythical world where there are these orbs. That everybody wants. (laughs) They they, they sort of establish what everybody wants them, but they they sort of don't establish what everybody wants them. Are they Dragon Balls? More or less, yes. Um, uh, The Joker is dressed like like (laughs) He-Man in in this. He is absolutely Joker He-Man. There is some stuff like, uh, you know, Wonder Woman gives Batman a starfish to put on his mouth so he can breathe underwater. Um, that's just like really funny but there's also some really just bad comic booking in this like for instance when they go to Atlantis to meet Aquaman Aquaman says like look at all the splendor of Atlantis and all you see are like the rooftops of two buildings like yeah, they don't show you it, it, it's like in an old TV show where they, they had no budget to show you something but it's a comic budget isn't a thing they should just show you what Atlantis looks like, but they don't. Um, uh, my favorite bit of of dialogue, not dialogue. It's I guess like, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's it's not dialogue, but it's it's the description that's written in there is like they, they try and take all the different heroes and mo- and put their like catchphrase or something into the Stone Age, almost like the Flintstones would do. You know how, how, how Fred Flintstone, like, would... what? Give me an example. You know what I'm talking about. Like, um...
1: Well, everything...
0: There, Everything would have a joke in it that's, like, that's talking it back to the Stone Age or something, right? Yeah. Basically, exactly. this tries to do that with, like, sword and sorcery stuff. So I'm trying to find here, like, the way that they make Superman... Here it is. So instead of saying, look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane... It's Superman. They say, look to the sky. It's a hawk. It's a lance. It's Superman. <laughs> Since when is a lance the the sword and sorcery equivalent of a plane? <laughs> Who's throwing a lance? How often do you look up in the sky and say, like, bird, bird, lance, bird? Like, how is that even an option? <laughs> it's so dumb. same think maybe even, like, an
2: arrow. Would right, make... exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: A Batman's weirdly racist in this.
0: Yes, he is (laughs) like,
1: Uh, when is he not? Well, we know. So we know that, that part of, at least in some uh, versions of the Batman and Superman relationship, part of the distrust comes from Superman being an alien. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, he just straight up comes out and says like in the clunkiest way possible in this, he's like, well, the reason I don't trust you is because you're not a human. (laughs) He literally says that.
0: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of clunky, so in this this world, Scarecrow uses his fear toxin on the Justice League, and Superman pretends that it affects him, but it really doesn't because he's an alien, as we've established. And he says something like, you know, why don't you really make these fools suffer and tell them your plan, Joker? And then Joker does. It is the laziest bit of writing I've ever read. Shame on you, Marv Wolfman. That is who wrote it, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, also
1: the Joker the Joker is so shoehorned in here. It not fitting of the primal age at all. Isn't his
0: hideout called like the Ha Hacienda? Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Also there's like so each each of the little mini stories has a like a full page black and white spread that um that like you know is, is the title page. And it just takes one of the panels from the comic and blows it up in black and white. But the panel they choose from the Superman issue is Superman literally punching Bizarro in the dick.
1: <laughs> I'm, trying find,
0: I'm trying to find the page. I'm going to have you guys scroll to it. But
1: I The mean, other thing that I like about those title pages uh, is that... Um, I scrolled to page there, at 83. Oh, yeah, There it is.
0: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. he's getting
1: them right in the mummy daddy button. Yeah. Um, the other the other thing I like about about those <laughs> title pages is, is that the Batman one—they're supposed to be the titles of the story. The yeah. Batman one says Dark Knight, but then the story's title is Darker, Darkest Night, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so just like the laziness that this was put together, like it just feels like it was slapped together at the last minute yeah
2: i just really like that superman and bizarro have mace hands
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i it a dick punch with my dear <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> i don't always dick
0: punch but when i do i wear a mace uh any other um any other primal age thoughts
2: I'm I'm flipping through this and as long as I don't read the words it looks good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Scott Koblish, I believe, does the art on yes. the main oh, story and it's Koblish
2: is very good.
1: Yeah. Pre- yeah, pretty good.
2: No, I think really good.
1: He's really good, but this isn't I don't think this is
0: top Koblish. We just say pretty good around here. <laughs> <laughs> He's, especially here. I mean, on one hand, like this is the sort of ridiculous, fun comic booking I want, but I don't really want this particular comic
1: book. <laughs> I don't booking. want
0: these. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of exclusive comics, uh, this week, the Superman 100-page giant number seven came out in Walmart stores, and this issue features... A, um, well, Vince, I'm, I'm going to let you explain this one. Ah oh, man. Okay, so
1: this it's it's Tom King, right? Have, did you say that already? Tom King, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who, I, if you've been following the Walmart story that he's been writing for Superman, um, uh it's about Clark leaving Earth to go find a missing girl or something that 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 is that's in space or whatever and and he is in this issue he's thinking back uh on lois back at home and and is worried that she's being uh killed in all sorts of brutal ways and you see her die on panel like a dozen times uh, there's a there's a one of Tom King's famous nine panel grids where in each panel she dies in a different way, and though mostly those are they're are okay. They're not really like gruesome or grisly. Um, it's supposed to be an homage to this old like uh, Kurt Swan story, like the many deaths of Lois Lane or something like that. Um, I think. Maybe it wasn't Swan. It was some. It was it was some Golden Age comic, I think. Um, but then on one page, she gets shot in the head, and the 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 bullet wound is like just off panel, but you can see blood bubbling up, and her like dead eyes open wide. It's a really creepy image, um, especially creepy probably if you're like a young kid and looking at it. And the fact that the fact is is that these are in Walmarts by the Pokemon cards, by the fidget spinners, by like the trinkets at the registers where pretty much exclusively kids are going to be like waiting for their parents. While moms
0: and dads are putting their stuff on the conveyor belt, kids are looking in this section. Yeah, exactly.
1: And um as far as I know, none of the other content in these comics is mature in this way. I'm not, you know, it, they pull from, they pull from like previously published DC comics to fill these things out to hundred pages. And I'm wondering if there are some story, because DC can get, you know, this certainly isn't the first time DC was very violent. They're violent on a weekly basis, right? Um, I do wonder if there are other stories that are, are less prominent that have been in these books that, that are just as violent. But, you know, regardless, this is like the featured story in Superman this month. Um, and it's really not appropriate for, for kids. And, uh, it sucks that, you know, I don't know what DC's goals, what they would say their goals are with these, but one would think that, in general, they should be aimed at a younger audience just because of where they are placed in the store and sort of the mass market appeal of them, right?
0: Even if not aimed at younger audiences, just not alienating or inappropriate to younger audiences. Yeah,
1: I mean, like I said, there's stuff in the comics every week that you find at comic book shops that you can just flip through and, and see, you know, gruesome shit like this all the time. Um but that's a different that's a different environment, you know I would also argue that this
0: is particularly gruesome i mean
1: yeah it's it is it's creepy to look at it's uh it's not good and I just don't understand like the thing that I don't understand about it is that Tom King is this guy who and we'll talk about the statement he made on this. In a little bit but but he's this guy who you know ex-CIA talks about how like I've seen some shit man you know and um and how how it's affected him and how it affects him to this day and I know that you know well he was away he, he's talked about how his wife always worried about him it's a natural thing and and he's emulating that sort of thing on the page with superheroes but the you know in heroes and with heroes in crisis, I don't think it's a content issue to have gruesome stuff like this happen because that's again that's like a different publishing arena right but I don't think a story like that belongs in this uh, mass massively marketed book you know first of all, but I also just don't think. You would think that this guy who is on Twitter and and is you know talks about this stuff pretty sensitively on Twitter would have a more sensitive approach in the actual art that he creates. And between this and Heroes in Crisis, he says that it's you know how superheroes deal with trauma or how superheroes deal with um, their responsibilities and the risks and whatnot. But it's not really about that. It's it never feels like a sensitive look at that. It's it seems to always be the most twisted, gruesome version of that, I think. And uh I, I just don't think the books that he talks about to like interviewers or whatever are the same ones that end up getting published. And that's his fault because I think it's a misreading he's talking about the books one way and assuring you that they're there's some sensitive look at trauma. And then what gets put out is not. It's just grim, dark, twisted garbage, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, Zach, do you happen to have up the statement that King made? No. Um, I could probably find it. Look into a text, baby.
2: Oh, yeah, you're right. You did send it to me. Sorry. I was like, where did I read that?
0: Um. But Vince, just to, to kind of to echo your point here for a second, I think that the idea of Superman being intensely worried about Lois Lane is a very Superman idea, right? That That's not the idea we have the problem with. I think that there's a problem with the way it's depicted here. I also think that this is a classic Tom King example of... It's a 12-page story, and almost all those 12 pages are about Lois Lane being killed. Whereas, like, one page of that would have been more than enough. Do you want me to read the whole thing? It's pretty long. I mean, I guess you could just summarize it for us if you'd rather do that. I mean, I can read the whole thing. Yeah, go for it. Okay. When
2: reached for comment, King said in a statement to CBR, this is on CBR, um, because it isn't widely available, um, insert reader, I, I still haven't read it yet. Have Have you guys read it?
1: I haven't read it. I've seen the I've seen the handful seen of pages the, that yeah, came same. out which is uh, okay. which is okay. all you really need to be able right.
2: to, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um I'm not sure people know the story uh in parentheses uh which is beautifully told by Andy Sandra and Brad. So here it is. On a mission far from home, Superman tries calling home. Lois doesn't answer. As people do when they can't get in touch with their loved ones, he starts imagining worst-case scenarios. Why won't she answer? images of her demise crowd his thoughts driving him crazy in the end the line connects and superman and lois discuss how worried they are about each other they both lead dangerous lives however neither of them asks the other to compromise that life lois has her career superman has his despite the worry and risk they trust each other they depend on each other regardless of the heart of it all regardless of the heart of it all Uh, i don't Know what that means? They both go forward, (laughs) and they both (laughs) they both go forward, and they both continue to save the world. He continued. To me, this is a metaphor for the best parts of love. Love comes with stress, agony, risk, vulnerability, and we shouldn't deny that stress, agony, risk, and vulnerability. However, love also comes with the unique joy of putting your faith in someone else, of knowing that someone else puts their faith in you. This story is not about the deaths of Lois Lane or the anxieties of Superman. is about the love of Lois Lane and the love of Superman. The enduring strength of these amazing, iconic characters, he concluded.
1: Uh, Lovely statement. That's not anybody's problem with this (laughs) comic. Yeah, Nobody is upset that Superman is worried about Lois. Nobody's even upset that they're worried that she's at home getting murdered or whatever. (laughs) There's a way to show that. Without showing a bloody Lois who's uh, been shot in the head and has lifeless eyes peering back at the reader. That's what everyone cares about. This statement is such bullshit. It feels like Tom King smelling his own fart and telling you, oh, I don't think you understood the story. <laughs> you see, everybody they understands. Care. Yeah, right. Ugh. I just. And I know that it's per- the statement is purposely worded that way. It's purposefully worded to ignore the real controversy. Because what artists do this all the time. They know that they're going to have a legion of fans on their side That that's like, oh, yeah, see, this person just didn't get it. These social justice warriors or whatever just didn't get the comic or whatever. Um, that's That's not why anybody's... It's just... It's just plain No, we get too, it. It sucks. Too gruesome. Yeah, it's just too gruesome
0: for a kid to look at, you know. Look, I honestly don't know why DC would want to do these comics if there and we said this before, if there wasn't some sort of a hope at gaining a new younger audience. That has to be part of the calculus. Otherwise you don't need wall you don't need comics at Walmart for adults to find comics. You you just don't need that. That's, that's not the reality of it. The reality of it is that this is meant to attract young new readers to the books. And so if you're going to do that, you have to be more mindful of this. I can't imagine how upset my daughter would be if she read this comic.
1: Yeah. It does make me wonder, though, if on some level, like, they want a reaction. And they're getting one, you know?
0: I don't think this is the place to do that.
1: I don't think so, but it seems to happen more than you'd think it would, you know. Like in the Walmart comics? No, not in the Walmart comics. I just mean in general. And now this has become, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. From the story is still pretty early. It's it's early in the. Uh, I believe this book just came out yesterday, in in Walmart's. So um, it hasn't had time to like pick up steam or or for any consequences or anything that may or may not happen surrounding it um but but my immediate thoughts after seeing the pages was oh this is going to get pulled from the shelves and this comic is going to be talked about a lot and it's going to be worth money like the batman penis Mm -hmm. you know i thought i had that thought and i just think like this seems to happen a couple times a year
2: Well, I mean, it just goes to show sex is bad, but violence is okay.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's, yeah, that, that is, uh, that's true too. Um, and, and, you know, I hate to sound like the content police because like violence really doesn't bother me all that much, except that again, it's just like the arena that it's in. This just feels totally wrong. To be put by the uh, Funko Pops and whatnot.
0: <laughs> and as we will likely briefly discuss later, Tom King just seems to be obsessed with taking ideas that should be a page or two and turning them into full stories. And I think that if this was like, if you wanted to show this worried relationship, there were much shorter, easier, less troubling ways to do so. But he's he gets off on, on making f- like full-issue stories that really only need to be a couple of pages long. Um, but yeah, so uh, don't read that comic, guys. It's <laughs> probably trash. Um, last bit of news, a bunch of uh, interesting developments from the leaked but not yet official dc solicitations for may i believe it's may right february mm. march april yeah i believe i believe it's the may solicitations oh it could be april i think it's april cuz it's usually 3 months i think okay. um regardless a couple of uh of of bits of news here the first is that after 36 issues Scooby Apocalypse is coming to an end, and I know that sounds funny, and it is funny to a certain degree, but that book has lasted a very long time, and if Bleeding Cool is to be believed, DC will no longer be publishing any Hanna Barbera comics. Did you guys see this ever? I cut it off. We we don't get sued. Um, but yeah, uh, Bleeding Cool reported that the Warner Brothers brass was not happy with these like new interpretations of their Hannah Barbera characters. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody read um... Snagglepuss.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, go on, Brad. Other- otherwise. Can I interject
0: here? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, of course.
1: Do they really think that there's like an audience out there itching for a Flintstones comic where uh, Fred comes home to, to Wilma doing the dishes and the, the dishwashing bird says it's a living and and just the same shit just happens
0: uh, that always happens in a Flintstones story? or I think they want to see uh, an Order of Wild Buffalo comic. I think they want to see a uh, a comic set in that alternate reality where Pebbles and Bam Bam become rock stars. <laughs> um, they want a baby elephant vacuum cleaner comic. Uh-huh.
1: Uh
0: huh. Something something. Mister Slate and a matter of references.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, so Scooby Apocalypse is ending. I think that's somewhat notable. Um, also, ending is Damage which leaves just two New Age of Heroes books remaining. Um, The Silencer, which, as we all know, has seen unparalleled success on Arrow. And um, I'm kidding, (laughs) of course. And uh, The Terrifics, (laughs) which got a new writer this month, which will feature, uh, as Zach called it, Gene Luan Yang as the new writer of the ongoing Terrifics comic. Um so what happens first boys do those two books go away or do they just both lose the new age of heroes branding at some point
1: unfortunately for Gene Luen Yang who's a terrific writer I feel like he's just been hired to drive this one into Chappaquiddick or something (laughs) you know (laughs)
0: whoa (laughs) that's the darkest way you could have said that (laughs) But possibly the best <laughs> yeah I, i'm not I'm not arguing that, but yeah,
1: you know he feels like just like, hey, let's get Jean Lu and yang, we still have a good relationship with him, let's just hire him to to run this one out, you know,
0: but what I don't understand is like Lemire announced months ago that fourteen was his last issue on the book, mm-hmm. I don't understand why if you're going to be shitting this shitting on this whole line and getting rid of it, why you wouldn't just get rid of this book? Like, well, What is it about this book that demands continuation from a DC it's perspective?
2: Ter- it's, it's terrific.
1: Ah. <laughs> can, can I suggest something without having ever looked at the sales data on it? That it's the best-selling one? Well, I'm guessing it's one of the best-selling ones, but I'm guessing it's not selling well enough to truly... like. If my prediction is correct... I don't think it's selling well enough probably to just keep it going with an indefinite end. But you know how like surely by now comics publishers know about how many readers they're going to lose every month. Mm -hmm. It's probably on a trajectory where to them it's worth publishing for like another four issues to make make it a third trade essentially. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. So like there's some calculus there that some peanut counter does at DC to figure out like when the cancel, the sweet cancellation spot is. And it's probably selling well enough that they haven't quite hit it yet. Zach, that should be your job at DC because you know, all these numbers. You do. Dan to would come to you and be like, how much longer does this book got kid? I don't, I don't know why he's like, perry white now but um give me pictures of the spider Man. i would honestly
2: i would i would love to have that job
1: yeah um, and then and then you'd say well it's got you know it's got it's a it's this is a dial h that's what you would say and they would issue know exactly 10 who, was the last grossly one that has numbers book?
0: up what'd you say i said a grossly overrated book <laughs> fuck you god <laughs> i just messed up with you god i hate it, you. It, it, issue
2: yeah. 10 was the last one that we have numbers on and it was nineteen thousand copies? Okay, so, so it's, that's it's just below that twenty thousand range. It's the hundred tenth overall selling comic for the month of November. Um,
1: yep, he's definitely piloting this the sinking ship. So it'll be it'll be canceled. I mean, what, what do you guys think?
2: I mean, it's not. I mean, it's selling better than Green Arrow. It's selling better canceled. than. Oh, oops um it's selling better than who is it is dreary down here <laughs> these are all mini these are all mini series and 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 like imprint books oh, man <laughs> maybe it's worse off than i thought it's selling better than silencer um ooh. It was selling better than The Unexpected, but that's gone. Um, Yeah, gee, there's not much that's not like a miniseries or like an imprint book, like a Vertigo or or like a um, Jinx World book that's lower than it. That's kind of really surprising to me. Um, Yeah, Green Arrow was the only mainline book... Below it, it looks like Supergirl That's... is not too far ahead of it. Um, what were you going to say, Brian?
0: It's wild to me that Green Arrow was the worst-selling, like mainline DC book. Because I feel like it's not like I would think Green Arrow was still a reasonably successful title, because it's a pretty big name. You know, it's just it's not like. It... I'm just surprised that's the lowest one. Yeah. Man.
2: I haven't looked at numbers in a long time, but this is super interesting. Um, Lay it on us. Issue number six of Hawkman Mm -hmm. was only, is it 21,000 already? That's like really low, I feel like, for a number six issue.
0: it's funny you say that, Zach. When I talked to Venditti, I couldn't tell if this was just a slip of the tongue or if he meant it. He was saying that this Krypton issue like sets up a lot for what he called the last arc. I don't know if he was just meant the next arc, or if he meant the books going away already. Because mm. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a twelve issue and out book. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't either. Yeah, it's it's really low. Um, okay, this I'm looking in November still because that was when the last. Um, the last Terrifics was. Let me hop on over to December if we want well, to keep talking about this. Yeah,
0: so I'm going to announce something else, and then I want you to look it up for a second, okay? So also okay. ending that month is Titans, which, okay. which is a real bummer to me. As we all know, I'm the Titans boy. Um, but I also feel like the book has gotten way more interesting when Kyle Rayner joined, and there's sort of more of a like dedicated plot to it. It seems like now they know what Titans is supposed to be. Like even those first couple of issues, I think it was sort of just still getting its uh its bearings. And now it seems to have a a full-on mission statement and it's ending. So where where was Titans selling? So in December Titans was number 76 overall, um
2: 24,870. That's crazy that that got it canceled. Yeah, it's outselling um, Red Hood Outlaw. Um, it's outselling Supergirl, Adventures of the Super Sons, Hawkman, Green Arrow, um, all of the New Age of Heroes books, which I I didn't mention. All all the New Age of Hero books were lower than Terrifics okay. in the month of November too.
0: Um, it's weird, like. You know, just trying to parse through this, it's weird that... I mean, I'm glad that Red Hood is still in existence. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm glad that Supergirl is still in existence. It's odd to me that DC is publishing so few monthly superhero titles that those books are so low. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a book with Super or a Bat family member in the title... Usually means it's relatively safe.
2: Yeah, man, this is so so. Ugh, man, this is crazy. I haven't checked these at all. Like Batman, Tom King, Batman is hovering in like the low nineties, high eighties. Issue ugh. six of Bendis Superman is at fifty two thousand.
0: How um, is Batman outselling Superman two to one? Why mad, man. I know how
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, Action let's see where Action is Oh Action I think is one of those weird ones too Because it came out the first There was an issue in December I'd have to go back and check and see where it was in.
0: Oh yeah because of that weird first week of January thing <laughs> Yeah um, But man that's crazy to me
2: um, I'll be interested to see where Green Lantern is Like three
0: months from now yeah I wonder how much Morrison buys that book
2: action action is right below superman um in no- in November action had just shy of fifty thousand um Superman was fifty four thousand
0: huh so anyway with with titan's ending you know <sighs> I feel like one of one of the things that DC was really good at in the last 6 months or so was presenting the Justice League books and their associated titles as all like these big pieces of uh of a well-knit continuity that was going to be working together to tell this overarching macro story. And with Justice League Odyssey losing Josh Williamson, and with Titans now ending, and with seemingly Tom King shooting Nightwing in the head, and that messing that up, and uh, Batman and the Outlaw, Batman and the Outsiders rather, which was supposed to tie into this, being delayed indefinitely, like it just feels like the Justice League books, which were supposed to be this like haven of intercontinuity. Is just sort of getting messed up right now. And I wonder if that's due to editorial changes or if that's due to just, you know, things not working, which happens sometimes. What do you guys think about that? Um,
1: I think there's got to be, there's got to be some, there's going to be another relaunch coming. Maybe not of every book, but of a lot of these books. You know, we're not going to go without a Green Arrow book forever. You know, um, we'll have another Titans book sometime. There's, there's, this is that one. I'm this, less sure of. Well, all I'm, it doesn't have to specifically be Titans. I just mean like books are going away and they're going to be replaced by by something. By something. This this has the feel to me of like the DCU era where there were a bunch of different books that that felt like at that point they were all doing their own thing. And some of them were ending, some of them were starting. There were like little mini weird mini-series here and there. But at a certain point it felt like everything was kind of winding down to some sort of relaunch. And I feel like that's going to happen again, whether that comes out of Doomsday Clock or Heroes in Crisis or God knows what. It's coming, though. Um, it might It might be a year from now. It might be two years from now. But um, that's what it feels like to me. And it almost feels like it doesn't have much to do with what's going on in Justice League right now. But I don't know how that can be because I, I want. I would think that Scott Snyder is going to be one of the major architects of whatever comes next again, you know? Right. Um, again,
2: again, I feel like this comes back to what we talked about before is just like how many um, like big um, – just how many big people are at DC right now and how many conflicting visions there are.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. I but yeah, Bendis. Bendis too, you know. We we know yeah. that. Yeah. So here's something else I I kind of want to bring up and I don't know I don't know the specific numbers behind this, and I only know that that there have been rumors over the years about DC needs to DC uh brass needs DC to hit a certain market share. They don't have to beat Marvel because they rarely do, you know, Mm -hmm. in like total total share of the market. Marvel usually sells about 40 percent of the comics in the market. Right. And DC is usually in like the low 30s. And I just looked at the numbers for the last month that they had on Comicron, and I think DC was at like 31% or something. And I know that when if DC dips below like 30%, there's 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 rumors out there that like they get pressured to do something to to bump that back up, you know? That's I think that's where like holding the line at 299 came from. That's where like the relaunches come come from when that happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if a lot of these books are getting canceled and a lot of them are underperforming, like if, if green arrows underperforming, if DC is getting that market share down, down, you know, threatening below 30%, we already know that Dan to got a contract extension, right? Recently.
0: Did that, was that, how recently was that?
1: Like within the last year. Um, at least that's what, uncle rich says right uh so short of turning over the editorial staff and and refreshing that they're they're gonna have to do something again and i just feel like another another relaunch is gonna give that temporary shot in the arm that it always works you know it's marvel does it constantly too so i i think that's what this smells like you know
0: interesting zach any ideas about this No, not
2: really. I I think Vince is probably right. Um, I'm just like most, I mean, like, mostly interested in how people, specific creators' visions are affecting other books. How, you know, um, like Tom King's Batman book has significantly affected Nightwing and Titans. Yeah. you know, Bendis has Superman cornered Snyder and Tynan are doing big things with justice league, but don't necessarily, um, well, we'll, I mean, we'll touch on it a little bit, maybe here in a little bit when we talk about justice league, but, um, have a very specific vision for what's going on there. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it seems very fractured. Um, And then you've got John's doing his thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if all of this, and I know we blame everything on this, but I wonder if all of this is due to doomsday clock being so late that if there were plans that they was, weren't able to execute on time. And so all these alternate plans started, but now that everything's starting to converge again, they're having to cut some things short and not do some things they wanted to do and just generally, you know, if the Doomsday Clock delays just mucked everything up to such a degree that we're still going to be paying for it at the end of this year.
2: I think it more than anything, it, it it's maybe just given people like King and Bendis more of a chance to kind of like step in and exercise their will.
0: I don't know. I get the distinct impression that this Justice League relaunch was supposed to be after Doomsday Clock and that they had to move it up to accommodate that. But then I don't know. I I just have a feeling that Doomsday Clock was supposed to be this like universe changing event, And now it can't be. And everyone's kind of in the growing pains of, well, how do we rectify it being this big universe changing event when we don't want to change the whole universe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a really interesting six months or so. Wait, it's more than that. What what issue are we on with Doomsday Clock now? We're about to be at nine. And it's 12 issues? Yeah. So we've got the majority of this year left. Yes. Especially because it keeps being delayed. Still. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break now because we don't have too too many books to talk about this week, and uh, we got a lot of stuff just discussed there. Uh, oh, sorry. One one more bit of solicit news: um, the new writer of Nightwing is Dan Jurgens, which seems pointing
1: point my finger at you.
0: <laughs> which seems like the surest way to say that Nightwing is going to be canceled soon, and Jurgens <laughs> is bringing it into the grave. Um. For similar reasons that we were talking about like earlier with uh, with New Age of Heroes stuff and all that. It just seems like mm. Jurgens is a guy to, that you trust to land the plane without totally wrecking it.
2: Just like Green Lantern. Uh, you're talking about <laughs> Green
0: Lanterns, please.
2: Well, I was hedging my bet because for a second I couldn't remember which <laughs> book it was. But yeah, it was Green Lanterns, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, So, predict it now. The June solicits... Uh, the end of, of uh, Nightwing so let's take a break we'll be back in just a minute with the review portion of the DC3 cast hello
1: my name is Alice W. Castle and I host Force Ghost Coast to Coast on the Multiverse a. podcast network each episode we discuss all the news from the galaxy far far away from movies to comics to novels to TV to games and everything in between you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. Come join us next time, and may the Force be with you.
0: And we are back with our reviews. First up this week is Justice League number 16, written by... It says here that the, the plot is by Scott Snyder and James Snyder IV, with, with the script by Tynion, and illustrated by Jim Chung and Steven Segovia. So, there's a couple of things to talk about in this issue, but... Zach, let's start with you. What did you think of this issue?
2: It has a lot of big ideas. A lot of them. I generally liked most of the ideas. I still did not care for this arc very much. It's probably my least favorite arc of this book so far.
0: Despite what would be like dc3 catnip have described to us
2: yes um i still uh, my favorite <laughs> it's really funny my experience with this arc has been uh get excited every time uh jim chung draws starman <laughs> <laughs> yep and that's about it I, I did. I love the the Chung part of this issue. One because I did not know that I needed him to draw Kilowog, um, <laughs> but now I do need him to do that in every comic. Um, yeah, I the the relevant the relevatory aspects of this issue. I mean, I I don't know. There's a lot here. I guess we should unpack it really quick. Like, maybe Martian Manhunter went to Earth as a baby, and also there's some kind of secret Martian human army race that Pandora made. <laughs> and I know it's not Pandora, but it feels like Pandora.
0: It's funny the parallels between this issue and the Wildstorm, which we're going to talk yes. about later. Uh-huh. Um but I yes. thought I mm-hmm. thought that, that wow, that's really weird that this almost exact same idea <laughs> happened in two grossly different books. Uh-huh. <laughs> um But yeah. Uh so the let's talk about the Marshall Manhunter stuff. I felt like we bag on Tanyan all the time for using too many words, and that is absolutely true in this issue, where he just goes on and on and on for really no reason, and this follows up an issue where he went on and on and on for really no reason, and followed up another issue which went on and on and on for no reason. So like by the end of this issue, you're just tired of all the fucking words. But I feel like the Martian Manhunter Revelation does change the character a bit, and is interesting forward momentum for the character. Does it though? Well, it could be. I'm not. Uh, let me rephrase that. It's not that it is. It, it could have have ramifications. I'm, an, wonder- it, I'm
2: just wondering how this messes with. Steve Orlando's Martian Manhunter. I don't think it
0: does at all because this this is baby Martian Manhunter, and his story is about adult Martian Manhunter.
2: But so he got sent to Earth as a baby and then got sent back.
0: That's what it implies, right?
2: Yeah, it can happen. It just seems weird.
1: Yeah i i think I think it does add another like, um. It adds another layer to 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 John Jones as a character. you know he's a character that always harbors this like <sighs> guilt. is that the right word? Oh, absolutely yeah, yeah and and I feel like you know this is just piling on to that, you know it's it's very much new territory for his character and yet along the same like personality tropes that we've come to know. So I think it's really fitting. Again, I think, like, this is another example of Snyder and Tynion have all these great big ideas. And they have all these nice little moments, too, which I want to talk about in a little bit. Like, this book is packed with good stuff. There's just too many goddamn words. I don't know how many times we can say that, but, like, it's it's nonetheless true, you know? Um. It's just it's just a damn wordy
0: book. It is. Um, but I think we can all agree that the last like five pages of this book were the best.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Like when, yep. once Starman shows up. Yep. Um, it was also funny. Like, I, I feel like, so once they sort of explained that all of this was being created by Shaira and all that, I was like, wait a minute. But how? With reincarnation, is that a thing? And then Starman shows up and basically explains it in very few words, yeah. Which is just funny because everything in this book is so over-explained. Then to have like the most important part of the mystery be like, oh, it's just it is because of the source wall. It's cool.
2: Whenever, whenever you say Shaiira, now I can only hear it um, in My, My,
0: Michael Shank's voice. Yeah, yeah. Shaiira. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, but you know it's, again like Vince was saying the big idea at the end of this that they're going to try and fix the source wall that's great mm-hmm. That, that yep. that's a perfect Justice League story
1: I love the way that the the, the Green Lanterns uh, Kilowog how that stuff resolves with John I love the stuff about like I thought you were done with Earth Matters and, and John's like they weren't done with me or whatever yeah. he says you know and <laughs> And then and then Kilwag at the end is like, you know, we have your back no matter what. Just give us a call next time or whatever. I, that, that's such a great moment for all the characters involved. And I love that. Uh, I, I think in the post John's Green Lantern, there was a, a decided effort to sort of pluck those characters away from whatever else was going on in the universe And I hope that this is just like a taste of what's to come as far as like there's always there's always been Earth Lanterns even throughout all these last few years. But just the scope of the Green Lanterns as a core being involved in the matters of the Justice League when they need to seems like something that kind of went away. You know Yeah. and and I hope they're I hope they're kind of opening the door for that a little bit more.
0: Not only that, but you would think that to the Green Lantern Corps, the matters of Earth are kind of like the FBI getting involved in local police matters,
1: right? Mm-hmm. It's so
0: much bigger, and Kilowog kind of says that, like, when are you gonna stop giving a shit about this piddly Earth stuff? You know, yeah. I, I just I, I like that perspective. It's not it doesn't come off as insulting. It just comes off as sort of if your jurisdiction is the whole universe, this would seem very minute. Yep. That's good.
1: I also love how Will Payton is like the, he's like the Oracle of the Justice League at this point. He seems to know what's going on with everybody. He tells Kendra that she's ready to f- fulfill her cosmic destiny, which also gives, it also gives uh, Hawk Girl interesting things to do, you know? Yep. Um, I do want to point out one thing though. Will, Will Payton says, I haven't eaten since 1988. Yep. Right? Well, actually, Starman dies in Eclipso, of The Darkness Within, Issue 2, in October of 1992. So that means that Will Payton technically didn't eat for four years? Yes. <laughs> that's, it's the kind of thing I don't really care about. But yeah. I,
0: I, re- I looked at that and I was like, I wonder what that's in reference to. Or at that point, was the DC universe four years behind our universe? It very well could have been. Ronald Reagan was still president. Yeah. Um, the Berlin Wall still stood. M- MTV was
1: just getting, st- MTV was still playing music videos. Ohio. <laughs> uh.
0: <clears throat> Anything else to say about Justice League? Sagolvia's art was fine, but Chung's was better. Chung's Chung's so good. Oh man, I wish Chung was doing more. Yeah,
1: Chung just uh, just stand just drawing characters standing around is good. Yeah, you know,
2: Riley Rosmo's uh, uh, Martian Manhunter is the best, but Chung's is very good. He has that very pronounced brow.
0: Yes, yes. The brow is important.
2: The brow is very important. Whereas Segovia's Martian Manhunter is just like 1000% New 52 Martian Manhunter. Yes. All the (laughs) time. It feels like I'm reading... um, Stormwatch?
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Who wrote that Stormwatch? Was that Paul Jenkins? Uh,
2: No, it was Paul Cornell. I'm sorry. I got my falls mixed up. Yeah. Although I do think Jenkins took over after like the first six issues so good call there i think let me
0: i'm gonna research that okay while you research that let's talk about naomi do you yep. say naomi or naomi i would
2: say nay na naomi nay na nay
0: vince nay naomi 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 all right so we'll say That's naomi nice. You Nailing know, number one, written by Brian Bendis and David F. Walker, illustrated by Jamal Campbell. So this issue uh first of all, I love that Bendis wrote a 12 panel grid instead of a nine panel grid. It just makes me laugh. Just I see what you're doing, Tom King, and I do it one fourth better than you. Um so this this issue sort of uh is built around a small town. In the DC universe, where Superman shows up one time, and it sort of makes a big, a big, big waves, and all of this is tied into a young woman named Naomi, and we um, we find out that she was adopted, and this is very much a, a first issue that sets up this new character, this new status quo, um, but I think this feels both very at <laughs> peace with Young Justice number one. And also with what Bendis is doing on Superman. So I think this is a really interesting sort of collection of like disparate Bendis DC ideas put together. Um, I'll talk about it more in a minute. Vince, what did you think of this issue?
1: Um, I liked it. But there, there's a lot I like about it. But I don't think it's not the type of first issue that I like. It's the type of first issue that is kind of bugging me in the ways that Bendis at Marvel bugged me. Like just the, the, the fact that the entire premise of the book um, is revealed to you at the very end. And I really don't feel like the first uh, 20 pages of the book or whatever it is do all that much to enhance the premise or flesh out the central premise of the book all that much. Um, I'm sure people will disagree with me on that, but I just, I feel like they might. The, I feel like the first three quarters of this book is a bunch of filler. And I don't think, I think it's, you know, overwritten as far as dialogue's concerned, uh, I think a lot of the same points about these characters are made multiple times when when we get it already, uh, but then then the then the premise hits at the end, and I'm actually really fascinated by that. So, um, I, I I like that a lot. I I don't really like the voices of the of all the students. Like it doesn't. Ben the voices that Bendis was using for the Young Justice characters sounded really good to me. That this stuff sounds overwritten. Like this doesn't sound like the way people actually talk. You know, this is very much the, the mammoth back and forth dialogue that isn't really the way that people talk to one another. Um, but, but I'm definitely interested in the book. Um, I think, I think it's a great premise, one that I'm not sure we've seen exactly before. Uh,
0: I want to ask a question before I turn it over to Zach for a second. Uh, But first let me say uh, Vince, you ignorant slut. Yeah, I know. Uh, No, how, how would you have introduced this new character and this book without the first two thirds of the issue?
1: I don't know. Don't ask, don't ask me to think about that. I'm just telling you that like, (laughs) I'm just telling you that, that, I don't like relative to the number of pages, I don't feel like I really learned that much about these characters. I don't know anything
0: about any of her friends really isn't that kind of the idea though like i don't I don't think so see, to to me, this was about her realizing that she's living in this like bullshit world where nothing means anything except for Superman, and then she finds out at the very end that that something else does matter.
1: I don't know if I don't know. I don't know.
0: Zach would say you.
2: I liked this book quite a bit. Um, I think I think that Vince's complaints are valid, but more just in the way that I think anybody who would bounce off of this book because it reads like a um very Bendis first issue would bounce off of it. Like, I think that's fair. This feels like the most Bendis-y book at DC right now. And, and I kind of like it for that reason. Like, this is his pulse at DC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But I also get like a major, like, I, uh, I don't want to like continue to draw the, uh, bendis kirby comparisons but this also feels like his jimmy olsen oh baby <laughs> um like this feel like i know this is a, a wonder comic like um young justice line book but like superman is like featured super heavily in this and so i can't help but associate it with the superman books too
1: and part yeah, of me the almost Superman bo- is that'll
2: like bridge the line there. Oh, go ahead, Vince.
1: The Superman books are way better right. at being comic books. I think.
2: I don't know. I think I think this does a good job of being a comic book. Like, I honestly like really kind. Of, I feel like there's one the the one page that anybody who is like not a Bendis person is going to come to, is that one that's like the two page spread broken up into like five uh rows and -hmm. there's just words yeah um but it's like really pretty i feel like it works i feel like it does a nice job of like telling a sequential story um but like i i think that that is an acceptable form of comic booking
1: I just think like st- structurally for the structurally to me, there's so little upfront. okay, so there's these two appearances by Superman that Naomi happens to miss um, and the town is like freaking out about it, and it's that same idea over and over again. We saw him Superman's great. this is everything to me, and then halfway through the issue or a little less than halfway through. Naomi's with her therapist or something, and they talk about how she's adopted. Right there, I, I think the problem with the issue for me is that at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, well, she was adopted because she's actually special in some way. And that's going to be the final page reveal. And everything after that played out exactly the way that I thought it would. And it made me think that, you know, this this whole issue, it, it's supposed to set you up for that ending being really intriguing and shocking. And while I am intrigued by where the direction is going to go from there, it's telegraphed so early and it's surrounded by so much fluff that to me it just didn't. Whereas every issue of Superman or action comics that Bendis has written has been just packed from beginning to end with great scenes that you can remember and describe and great little moments. This felt like so much fluff up front with the great moment coming right at the end. But that moment was also telegraphed way early. Well, it's also a very different story though. I know. I know. I'm just saying like, the, but then that's the Bendis I prefer. I found out. Well, but I mean, okay. you know how much, you know how big of a skeptic I was about. Yeah, Bendis sure. Game. sure. And yeah. now action and Superman hits and they're, they're him writing comics exactly how I want them to be written.
0: Okay. But, but, but you're missing one big part of it here which is that Bendis is coming into Superman 80 years in and doesn't need to do the legwork he has to do for a new character.
1: I don't think there's much legwork done here, is what I'm saying. I I don't think there's actually that much that he establishes in these first, like, 16, 18 pages. All right. Not that, not that fills out that much space.
0: All right. I, I, I disagree with that because... I think that like literally all we knew about this book before it started was that the main character's name was Naomi, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You find out a bit about her. In in the first issue as a whole, right, you find out her deal. You find out the world in which she lives in with with a fair amount of specificity. You find Mm -hmm. out... You don't think so?
1: No, I just think everybody's just cracking... Everybody's just cracking sarcastic jokes and you don't actually learn much about but
0: i think that's the point i I think that she is like first of all I, i was talking more about the setting of the city not necessarily like people around her but
1: i don't think you learn much about that either
0: you learn it's a podunk nothing town where superman shows up one time and it blows people's minds they call it the event of the decade and he's there for 17 seconds i think that i think that i think in that In that description, you learn a lot about the town. But regardless of that, I think that, like, I couldn't tell towards the end of this issue if this was a situation where everybody knows what happened 17 years ago except Naomi. And everyone's just kind of telling her to forget it because almost like a a Truman Show thing where everybody's in on it except for her. Did you guys get that vibe at all? I, I I thought that, you know, maybe the
1: adults know that, but the kids only have worked out hints here and there about
0: it. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. I, I felt like if you're going to tell this story, if you're going to. And I agree that like the Naomi being special thing was telegraphed as soon as she sat down on the therapist couch, essentially. Um, well,
2: she's her name is the name of the book she's obviously special
0: right yeah but the way in which she's special i think with the adoption thing was was pretty easily telegraphed so i agree with you there vince but i think that to make that reveal matter you need a first issue like this i don't know i i really enjoyed it and i'm not saying you're wrong it's, it certainly isn't the best comic ben this written at dc or even the best issue of the week it's just I thought it was a strong debut and I think it'll be better from here, but I don't think that the first issue was bad by any means.
1: Well, and here's the right. thing. I I sound I sound like I'm criticizing it a lot, but if you look at and I'm trying to be a tough grader, but if you look at my multiversity chart that we're doing, I gave it a seven out of ten. You know, like I, I like it. I'm just saying like the str all I'm criticizing is the structure of the issue because it's so much less satisfying to me. Than the other work that Bendis has been doing at DC lately, and you're right that it's a different book, but that's what makes it a less satisfying book to me. You it's, know, it's we're also talking about Bendis
2: a lot here, but we we shouldn't discount uh, David F. Walker. David Walker, what, yeah.
1: Well, okay. One of the great things about the book is that you don't know where Bendis and Walker end, begins and ends. Yeah, but it's sure, at least this first issue sure feels mostly like bendis which is why it's I
2: very g- bendis yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah not yeah and i and i like david f walker i think he's a really talented writer i've liked almost everything he's done um that i've read um but but you, you i look at this and i think straight up bendis the whole way through <laughs> i agree I, I, I don't know if that's fair or not but but I mean, it sure seems like it.
0: I also could see this being a situation like a Scott Snyder and James Tynion, where a lot of the sort of big ideas here are Bendis's, and after this first issue, you'll see Walker more taking the lead in sort of scripting the book.
1: Mm-hmm. Who knows? I I think it's good. I was just I was just frustrated with. I was like, oh, this is decompressed in the way that a, a Marvel Bendis comic was. And it it bugged me a little because there's there seems to be a formula there that I can identify when I'm reading it, you know? Um the Jamal Campbell art is some of the best work of Campbell's career.
0: Yes. Yes. This issue looks gorgeous. And what I like about his artwork is I like how for the most part he's he's drawing stuff that is very much um like uh I don't want to say looking like our world, but sort of the whole idea of this book is that it's like the superheroes come to small-town America, right? So I get that part. But then you see someone like, um, what's the guy's name? The guy at the end who's not the tattooed man, but I thought maybe was the tattooed man at first. Um, uh, D. D. Yeah. The, the guy who tells uh, Naomi about when she was adopted, who was just like a larger-than-life, muscled-out comic kind of character dropped in the middle of this normalcy. I really enjoyed those little touches.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gorgeous coloring by by Campbell also. Oh, Campbell did the coloring too. I believe so. I'm double checking that now, but I believe so. Um. Let's see. Yeah, it's yep. a, it's a great it's
1: a great looking book. It's an enjoyable book. It's a really interesting premise. Um, yeah, I get. I guess maybe all I want is a little more Walker next time, and a little less Bendis as far as the feels concerned. That's all. I'm not
2: don't, a don't, little don't. a little less conversation, a little more action.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. God damn it, exactly. Please don't be mad at me. I'm not. I'm not you guys you guys just liked it a little more than I did.
0: I'm not That's mad okay. at you. you.
1: You you seem
0: mad. No. I could never stay mad at you. All right, let's talk about the Wildstorm number 19. Welcome back Wildstorm written by Warren Ellis, illustrated by John Davis Hunt. This is the first issue of the sort of final arc of this book until it shifts into something else, I'm sure. Um
1: this one's a low seller too, though talking about sales.
0: Yeah, but I think that Warren Ellis is mm-hmm. is uh, a creator that they don't care about sales with. Yeah. You know, bringing Warren Ellis back to DC was like when Geffen Records signed Sonic Youth. It was the idea was to like give legitimacy to a certain corner of the DC universe. If you say so. I do. Um so um I mentioned before how there's a bit of this book that's a lot like Justice League this week, which is that there's – this is a very – this is definitely the wordiest issue of the Wildstorm so far, and we get a sort of really deep dive into the history of this world way before things like Io and Skywatch, but, you know, back way, way earlier, and the integration of various alien species into the world – And, um, you know, Davis Hunt is still doing really incredible artwork, but this is the first issue I think that didn't give him like a big action sequence to illustrate. Mm -hmm. And I think the issue somewhat suffered because of that. What do you guys think? Uh, Zach, maybe,
2: but I, I loved this issue. I thought it was so good. Um, I, I thought that the info dump on this in this issue was handled perfectly, um the the art was fantastic the the character moments were really great oh i love the authority so much this is this is perfect
1: (laughs) yeah zach it's interesting that you mentioned that about the uh the info dump because this issue mostly is an info info dump but it is the template for how to do that because instead of just having characters stand around and talking about these things, John Davis hunt draws tons of little panels where you're seeing the exact thing that they're talking about in action. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking of these pages where, uh, let's see, it's about three quarters of the way through the issue. I think, um, where they're talking about the Kara and the, uh, and the demons, Mm -hmm um you're you're seeing the invasion happen as they talk about it you're see you know it's it's not just people standing around there's an there's an image there's a striking image uh aligned with each bit of dialogue each bit of the info dump has a corresponding image that it ties to that's not just characters sitting around and i think that's so great um there's several panels in this book that just they're like iconic shots that just scream Wildstorm, right? And yet at the same time, it's summing it's summing Wildstorm comics up for readers who may not have all of this information already, you know. Um, and then yeah, you can see the authority being pieced together. We get a wonderful sequence at the midpoint. Of the issue uh, with the new Apollo and Midnighter, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, which is just funny and sweet and fantastic. Um, oh, man, this 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 book, you guys, it's the best, <laughs> best DC book, and and so many like DC references. They've got uh, Wonder Woman, uh, like betting they're all sleeping in that one bed yep yes and there's old like old school wonder woman bedding um there's references to a man infin- tv show yeah a paul kirk manhunter tv show and a infinite crisis movie, movie yeah. which is that just-
2: sounds suspiciously like the plot of final crisis
1: yeah I- <laughs> yeah yeah that was interesting um Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) but And then I love the... uh, They talk about the Mars Expedition, which has been sort of a a thread that's been hinted at from the very first issue, I think. Um, That lighter that says, like, Mars Expedition 1955 has been present since the beginning of this series. And now you get... You get a visual depiction of that expedition. And I love how the uh the ufo's are drawn like old school crappy uh flying saucer US, ufos yep that's so fantastic like every little detail about this book is so good the the image of henry bendix like playing with the rocket ship and the <laughs> and the little uh the little flying saucer well well they talk about what a yep. psycho he is <laughs> oh god so good, you guys! Best issue of the week, best comic DC's
0: publishing. It's, yeah. it's all good. yes. I will it, argue it it with the best good. picture of the, with the best comic of the week. Okay. Um, oh, I no, I you don't think it's the best comic of the week? I, I think American Carnage three was better. He liked the uh, Primal Age. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I I think American Carnage is better than this. Just just because, like, I I do think this was a very good info dump, but it was still an info dump. And I would still rather in with a little bit more action, a little bit less uh, wordy, <laughs> a little bit less conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to not say exactly that Elvis lyric, <laughs> um, but 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 it's still very good. Don't get me wrong. That, it's, that's it's fine. Still, it's, still I, it's
2: my favorite. This is Zach Nips, so that's <laughs> fine.
0: Yeah. Well, we, we know that you're the authority boy, so um. Do you guys have any feeling for what's coming up next in the uh the not the book The Wild Storm, but in the Wild Storm universe?
1: No. I mean unless I mean, unless unless the next book is The Authority.
0: I have a I feeling that's see gonna happen, yeah.
2: I mean, did you guys see the um the cover for issue twenty two, I think it was, that John mm-hmm. Davis Hahn
0: posted? Uh huh. That looks very good. And 24 yep. is the end of this, right? Yep. Yes. So we'll see. Uh, before we get to our little micro reviews, little mini reviews that we do on the show, um, let's talk about our lists good list, okay list, and bad list for this week. Um, on the good list, we have American Carnage and Cover. I said that American Carnage number three is something really great. We have uh, the okay list, which is Aquaman and Teen Titans. Uh, In a a new category this week, we have the New Age of Heroes list, which is Damage Sideways and the Curse of Brimstone, which is, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. And uh, the bad list has Batman this week.
1: Oh, what a turd. Just a total turd.
0: Another. Zach
1: Zach talking about the turd again. It's the same thing.
0: Uh, it is the same thing, yeah, another issue that complete that, that takes eighteen pages to undo its own premise.
1: <laughs> Town King's just trolling at this point
0: i mean the the bad thing is that it's working' Because we're still talking about them all every week, mm-hmm, whether we want to or not
1: he's. Living rent free in our heads.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, we we do have three more books we want to just very very briefly touch on. The first one, Zach wanted to talk about, is Freedom Fighters. Number two, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Eddie Barrows. And Zach, what's up with this book? Why you want to talk about it?
2: Well, so, like, after the last issue, or the first issue, I guess, I think we all kind of came away like, this is better than we expected, but it's still, like, not much, and I don't really know what to think about it. Um, I really liked this issue a lot, but mostly artistically. Like, I feel like I say this every time I see Eddie Barrow's art, but I think this is, like, maybe the best Eddie Barrow's art I've ever seen. He's
0: been on a really good streak lately.
2: Yeah, this looks good. And then also, um, I really like this team. I like um, just kind of the way they're presenting this world. And I loved the bit at the end with the, the extra-dimensional realm of ideas, the heartland. Yep. Um, I like that this isn't just like a... I guess like a war story. I mean it is a war story, but it's gonna have some kind of I guess metaphysical element. I just I just dug I, I dug this issue a lot more than I expected to.
0: Yeah, I thought that it was it was pretty good. I, I really like that the battle sequence that kinda picks up in this at the end of the last issue. With uh, the team working together to take down that giant ratzy robot. Really enjoyed that. It was super, super beautifully illustrated by uh, Barrows, who did a nice job of illustrating the team's powers. I think sometimes one of the hardest things to do in a comic is to introduce like power sets for characters. But I think that this issue did a really nice job of illustrating what these heroes can do uh, visually without just having someone tell you what they can do. Yeah. Uh, Vince, what do you think of this issue?
1: Uh, I didn't like it as much as the first one. I, I don't. Have, I don't have anything to say about it. It's fine. This big fight scene.
2: Well, okay, Vince.
1: <laughs> what? That's all I have to say.
0: <laughs> well. Let's see, let's see what Vince is going to shit on next. Uh, we got Shazam, number uh, Shazam, two. Shazam, yes. Yeah. Written Do you guys by see Jeff the... Johns, illustrated not by Dale Eaglesham, no, but by um, uh, who filled in this issue? Marco Santucci. Marco Santucci, yes. Uh, Do you fine. guys see I that?
2: I didn't like it as much as the first issue, though.
1: No, you shouldn't have. It wasn't. It wasn't as good as the first one. Um,
0: did uh, Did you see the Somni cover though? <laughs> that Somni cover. I did. Yeah. Ooh, baby, Italian chef, chef kiss emoji. <laughs> I, I want some
1: Somni interiors over here at DC. Stat. Um, th- this was just okay. Uh, I just wanted to bring up like we're so. We already don't get Eaglesham art on the second issue. <laughs> like, what? What is? What is the deal with
0: that? What? <laughs> this book was delayed, right? Uh-huh. Yes, I wonder if he drew an issue the editorial had a problem with. Oh man.
2: Or I wonder if. Yeah, that's probably the more likely one, I guess. I mean, the other thing could be it. Um... He is. Gotten pulled off to another project.
0: I think he's solicited still on the future issues.
2: He could be, but they I mean, I think he was solicited for this issue too, wasn't he?
0: Probably. Was was it just
1: supposed to be the cover that was Christmassy or was the actual content of the issue supposed to be have something to do with Christmas? I don't know. It makes me it makes me just think this entire thing just got fucked somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you're probably not wrong about that.
1: Yeah. But anyway, they go to Funlands, which is like a Well it's interesting. At the Rock of Eternity, now there's like six different train uh lines that go to these different lands, the magic the magic lands. They go to Funland. It's like Disney on freaking crack or something. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's it's fun enough, but I I really just wanted to bring up the issue to to get to the bottom of this art thing, because it's kind of annoying that we're already doing this with fill ins (laughs) and and if he got pulled to another book, that's like more important or something. That sure does happen to like Snyder and Johns and like all the heavy hitters.
0: I I wonder if it's it's because they have really good eyes for talent. And so they bring people on and then the deal goes like, holy shit, this guy's great. And, (laughs) and then, you know, pulls him to someplace else.
1: Yeah, sure. But, but then like Shazam was supposed to be your big new relaunch, you know, in time for the, in time for the
0: oncoming movie, I guess, average joe doesn't give a shit who's drawing it sadly enough and santucci's art is close enough to eaglesham it's not like you're bringing in dan jergens to do the art on this where it would look really out of place
1: yeah i guess i mean it was it yeah
0: it's not as good as eaglesham's art no but it's at least in the same ballpark
1: i'm just bummed when i see this happening over and over again i
0: agree i hope it's a one-time issue
1: yeah
0: but we'll see Um, Do you guys think that 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 kid from the end is going to have any real significance to the book, or is he just like the villain of this arc?
1: I think probably just the villain. Yeah. I would guess. I would guess it's a lie that he's like the missing seventh member or something. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Um, Can we talk about Billy Batson's dad for a second? Sure. So I had thought when I read the first issue, and I don't think I said it on the show, but I had thought that maybe... It was somebody who Mr. Mind was controlling, and that's why he's pretending to be Billy's dad. Um, mm-hmm. But that is not the case. We see Mr. Mind is controlling Dr. Dr. Savannah here. Um, mm-hmm. Do we think that that's going to be really Billy's dad? Or the other idea I had was, you know, Billy looks a little bit like Captain Marvel, who looks a little bit like Black Adam. Is this Black Adam posing as his dad? or is this, oh. Or is this actually his dad, you think? I think it's
2: the – it's probably the Billy Batson from Alan Moore's never released Twilight of the Gods.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was the Billy Batson from Kingdom Come.
1: No. (laughs) Zach, you are a treasure. (laughs) You are really – you're the best.
2: Oh, I, I believe that like Jeff <laughs> yeah. Johns has like, a, a, a like, manuscript of that just tucked away in his desk
0: drawer. And he just loves to like...
1: He's crossing out. He's putting a big <laughs> marker through all the stuff he's already used and seeing what's left.
0: All he's yeah. doing at this point in his career is ripping off Alan Moore in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: and I mean it in the best way. I, I've i loved like all the stuff that Johns has done that apes on more comics but i think it's especially like especially
0: Do- especially doomsday clock you love doomsday especially, clock. especially <laughs> doomsday clock no <laughs> that's not, not the me. one i
2: meant that's not the one i meant i meant what's the Sodom Yat story
0: <laughs> yeah um what's that
2: one I, I don't know you meant his whole green lantern run was built on it though so
0: you meant you meant you mean z for zod is upcoming v for vendetta uh, yes, remake set on Krypton. The Killing jo- 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 Zone. The Killing Zone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess B- Billy's dad could be the fifth Joker, but we'll see.
2: <laughs> oh, oh I man, misspoke. I keep forgetting. I called it Twilight of the Gods. It's Twilight of the Superheroes.
0: Yeah. That's right. We knew what you meant. Twilight of the Gods I... is a book by uh, music critic Stephen Hyden I just read. So there you go. That's right, yeah. Uh, I
1: keep forgetting The Three Jokers is a thing. Oh, it's a thing, baby. And I chuckle to myself
0: whenever I hear that that, that name. It's Chip Zdarsky's best tweet of 2019 so far. What was that again? He said uh, that in his negotiation with Marvel, he had a meeting with DC, and he just slipped a piece of paper across their desk that said, Fourth Joker? Question <laughs> mark. W-
1: wait a minute. It was a joke. That's a rip-off of my joke.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it's a rip-off of your joke.
1: It is, remember?
0: Yeah, well, I know you came up with the joke first, but I don't think Chip Zdarsky read your Twitter. He, no,
1: he, not on he, Twitter. Listened to, he, he listened to the show. And, uh, and Chip Zdarsky, if you're listening, I'm really upset that you stole my fourth Joker joke. All these people online are going to be like, Oh, that Chip Zdarsky is so funny.
0: How does he how does he think of that shit? It's still not the best Jim Zdarsky tweet of all time though. No, it's not. Which is the Frankenstein one. Say that one again. So it's uh, he says, yeah. "Guys, I found this rare first edition of Frankenstein and it's the last page of the book and then it says like as the monster walked away, he turned around and says, "I don't mind if you call me Frankenstein or sort of Frankenstein's monster. It's not a big deal." Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is good. It's, it's perfect. It's great. Uh um any other shazam notes no that's it and we're talking about teen titans briefly too um teen titans 26 written by adam glass illustrated by bernard chang we get a little bit of uh damon alfred interaction here we get a bat robot we get um trying to hack the bat computer vince you want to talk about this one talk about yes it. I wanted to, so, well so first of all the the, the central premise
1: of the issue is pretty fun which is that they're like hacking the bat cave and Batman like pops up behind them but really it's just like a bat drone it's like a a fembat like if you a, will. a fembat yeah it's a <laughs> fembat that's right yes and uh and L- gold, <laughs> gold gold balls gets the bat horny until it, until he <laughs> starts on fire and his head comes off he loves um,
0: gold.
1: <laughs> we make way too many uh, Austin Powers references for, for, for it being the year 2019 right now the
0: year of our lord
1: seems to come, come up a lot but no, the big thing I wanted to talk about was that moment between Damien and Alfred which I thought was a really nice gotta be one of the best things uh, Adam Glass has ever written <laughs> it's the best I thing think. he's ever written yeah. Yes. And because I'm reading all this Batman from the nineties right now, there's all kinds of moments, uh, back then that dealt with like Bruce's relationship with Dick. Cause at that point they're kind of estranged. They haven't uh, spoken in a while. And then at, after, uh, after nightfall is over, Dick briefly becomes Batman which I think a lot of people forget, but there's a lot of drama created between the two of them that comes out of that. There's stuff between him and Tim, where Tim is starting to feel more like Bruce is like a father figure to him. And it really reading that stuff really highlighted like how much I miss comics that deal a lot with Batman's relationship, Bruce Bruce's relationship with his wards. And that includes Damien as his son. And I feel like since Rebirth started, that's one thing that they've deliberately tried to sort of keep separate, right? Mm -hmm. There's been very little interaction between Damien and Bruce. And they'll throw you a line every once in a while about how, like... uh, you know, Damien doesn't want to work with Bruce anymore because he doesn't go far enough or Bruce is mad at Damien because he's uh he goes too far or whatever, you know. But I really miss I really miss Bruce having a direct interaction with with not just one ward, but with all of his uh sidekicks over the years, you know? Uh you miss and they would go to the bat burger together that's right yes yeah no that it's sad that like that's the one scene i remember and and it's tom king writing a pretty uh inhuman bruce wayne you know um there's a lot of moments where chuck dixon in the 90s was writing bruce and he's this yeah he's like a uh uh a psychotic superhero driven by fighting crime but he's also like he takes the cowl off and he talks to his wards like he like they're human beings you know and like he's a human being and i really miss that and this this little moment between damien and, and alfred was really nice so yeah i don't know did you read this Zach? i didn't you didn't uh Um, I mean, it's not the greatest comic in the world, but that that moment was really nice. I believe you. Uh, Well, Brian died. (laughs) Um, So if he were here, he'd probably say, uh, uh, Vince, why don't you read off the comics for next week? And I would say, "Uh, go fuck yourself, old man. Yeah.
2: but then you do it anyway. Then
1: I do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, next week we got action comics. We've got Batgirl, Batman Beyond. Uh, we've got Detective Nine Nine Seven. We've got the We've got the Flash sixty three and a Flash annual. Interesting. So that's a lot of Flash for one week. Mm-hmm.
0: We have that. We've,
1: Is this? Um...
0: Go ahead, Zach. Oh, he came back to life. I did. Oh. I said in the chat, yeah. I was going to be right back. We, I,
1: know. We, we know. We know. Okay. We just said you died. Oh, okay. So.
0: Well, I've been resurrected. Yep. I am risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, okay. This is not the
2: first crossover issue. I think that's the next one of the for,
1: Flash. Oh, for like the Flash Batman thing? Yeah. yeah
0: I think that's the next one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Heroes in Crisis, I guess. Yep, we do. Mm-hmm. Can't uh, wait. The book Rex- I'm, I'm most excited about. Sorry, Vince. I was, was gonna this. say
1: hex Wives, justice League annual mm-hmm. justice League Odyssey five
0: Brian you were gonna say you're most interested in mysteries of love and space correct yes that sounds super fun to me that's like one of their um anthology one shots they've been doing lately and uh it it does sound fun, but I'm gonna open it up and
1: I'm gonna go fuck this is eighty pages <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah every yeah.
0: time we there
2: there are four annuals that week too so oh god. Sorry, three. Did I say? You said there's four. Teen Titans, okay, there's Justice three.
0: League, The Flash. Yeah. Well, we have uh, to, to give you guys a look behind the scenes. We have to record this a day late for Zach to play his video games, so we'll, we'll have time <laughs> to read all those extra annuals and shit. Yeah, you
2: That's
0: won't, true. but we will.
2: Tweeted at me at Wilker Fox about Kingdom
0: Hearts three, but no spoilers. <laughs> um. <laughs> tweet at me at brian needs a nap about um i guess how wrong vince is about naomi oh my. i don't know
1: use, i think i gave use, it one less out of 10 than yeah did. exactly
2: use use hashtag vince was wrong um <laughs>
1: yeah exactly did in kingdom Hearts three do they go to the song of the South world? <laughs> oh man
2: no I think they're saving that one <laughs> okay
0: uh that's in the disney vault um, no. uh,
2: yes, it should be as as uh my fellow multiverse manga club and uh Multiversity alumnus. I don't know. What are all the things we say for Walt? I don't know. He's the editor he, in he's done some stuff.
1: as,
0: as Editor
2: all, in all, exile. Yes.
1: All around beautiful man. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Beautiful I think uh, the, the worlds that have been leaked so far are uh, Bolt and um, Brother Bear. <laughs> and I, I think there was one more, but I can't remember.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to find Vince on the internet. You're obviously not gonna find them on Twitter. Where you can find them though is um, you know, just singing the praises of the New England Patriots on their uh, third straight Super Bowl appearance. So go to any sort of Patriots fan blog or uh you know comment section and just listen to Vince just sing the praises of what he calls a great a great a great coach but a greater man, Bill Belichick. And uh Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's funny because it couldn't be further from the truth Exactly, he's yeah. a monster
0: uh, <laughs> And uh, until next week Enjoy, we'll talk to you guys soon
2: You just got mad at me because I said Valco. Yeah. <laughs> Ha <laughs>